Welcome to episode 47 of Tap the Craft. My name is Denny Luce, and along with me is my buddy, John Ream. We are going to guide you on your craft beer journey by passing on our knowledge and our experience to you, the listener. We're recording this episode on Monday, May 9th, 2016, and in this show, we are going to be discussing the American Pale Ale style guidelines in preparation for our listener participation tasting notes segment with the Deschutes Mere Pond Pale Ale. So, uh, you know, you have a big show ahead of you, and we have, of course, a news article that uh, John's going to bring us, and I can't wait to hear his intake, or intake, input on this uh, topic. And, of course, you can always count on John and myself having such great back-and-forth beer banter. But before we get on to all that fun, entertaining information, John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Um, feeling good. Had a had a health scare over the weekend in the family, but everybody's back on pace now. Oh, good. Uh, but you know, I did want to bring up. So we we talked about your your trip out here. Mm-hmm. And one thing we didn't mention is that you got anxious and <laughs> you were very driven to get the loose cannon judged. Yes. It happened to be a homebrew competition going on. The next week that we had to get the beer dropped off that weekend. Yeah. Which we did. Mm-hmm. And we got our results back. All right. So how did we do? So we scored a 38 mm-hmm. out of 50. Okay. Um, which, if, you, if you're going by how you do in grade school, it doesn't sound that great. You know, <laughs> like C plus, you know. But uh, in, in the uh, beer judging world, uh, that actually puts us in the excellent category mm. excellent exemplifies style well requires minor fine-tuning okay so uh but i think both judges uh it was very drinkable and they enjoyed it uh just needed to balance out a little bit of that sweetness yeah which yeah we we've known yeah but, uh full of uh dark fruit and a lot of malty goodness so i think we did all right it, it's a it's a great beer it's a great beer that uh that you you're right we could use some fine-tuning but Hey, uh, you know, for our first shot at a dark Belgian strong ale, which is not a common beer that homebrewers brew, right, John? Is that not that's not a common one, is it? Um, probably not. Yeah, no. yeah. So, <laughs> so we went and on our first try, I thought we did a damn good job, and um, everyone that I've given uh, bottles to, to to try and had with, they've really enjoyed it. In fact, I've got a bottle right now. Traveling to Israel, another. This will be our second bottle of loose cannon going to Israel. Um, you know, Alex Fuchs from that just relocated from Israel to here. He's going back home to uh, to do some some work in Israel, and he's he brought a bottle that that John you gave me to bring back. I wanted to make sure I shared it with him because he shared so many good home brews with me, and he's taking it back to share with his uh, brother and friends. And I can't wait to see how they. Uh, enjoy it on Untapped, which I'm sure they're gonna enjoy it a lot. So yeah, we need a, a tag location tag check in for that. Okay, you know, 
Okay. I'll make sure I uh, I text Alex and say, hey, make sure you tag us and locate us in Israel so we everyone knows that we are international, you know, beer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you mentioned to me uh, that they haven't come up with any prizes. So we don't know if we won a prize yet with our beer. We, we'll know that next week. Yeah, they're doing the award ceremony on Sunday. Okay. Uh, so that's when they'll actually announce stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, so well, fingers crossed. Are you, you going to be there? Are you going to be there live to uh, to take the, the trophy or the prize, the medal, and give a speech? <laughs> no, probably not. Oh. So, although it is being held at that Sumerian brewing that we just oh my had gosh. double NPA from. So uh, maybe that. Maybe I should head up there. <laughs> you, you, uh, I, I think that I've that's, you know what that brewery is on my radar because I did enjoy that beer. So you, maybe you should go up there and just you know, taste some beers and uh, you know just in case we win something, you can be present. I think that means even more if people actually come to the award ceremony, and yeah. uh, you know get it in person. You want to say and. Uh, you don't want to be one of those people that, that has some kind of loser come up there and accept a trophy for you. We want to have some real representatives of our podcast. Yeah. I need a hat or something. Uh, yeah. Official representative. <laughs> yeah. And not a dunce cap. We, no, no dunce, <laughs> no point caps. No. All right, John. Well, hey, we've been talking beer, but you know what? We can't talk beer without drinking beer. So, John... What are you drinking tonight? So tonight I'm getting a head start on our tasting, and I'm drinking some Mirpon Pale Ale. But okay. I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself for now. Okay. So. That's a great idea. Um, that's a great idea. I am not drinking the Mirpon Pale Ale. I am taking a little bit of a, a clip out of your playbook, and I am drinking the... Ballast Point Watermelon Dorado Double IPA, 10% of goodness. And I'll tell you what, John, uh, this beer, as you mentioned on the show a few episodes ago, uh, this beer is fantastic. I really am digging the watermelon aroma and the watermelon flavor that is just, it's not overwhelming, but it's there. It's, a, it's presence is there, and it goes really well with the hops that are in this beer, and I have, uh, you know, I popped this thing open when we first started to, to you know, chat, do our little pre-show banter before we start recording. So so most of you listeners won't hear all of the conversation John and I had, but you might hear some of it because, you know, we might throw some bloopers in the back end of the show. But uh, I'm almost done with this 10% beer, and I'll tell you, I'm really enjoying it, and it's not uh, one of the, I don't think it's one of those gimmicky fruit IPAs. This one's really solid. And and I'm really impressed with the watermelon character they got out of a double IPA. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, usually you think of it like with a wheat or a a blonde or something, because watermelon's not that strong of a character. For sure. But uh, they they did a really good job with it. Yeah, so so that leads me to believe that they must have used a lot of artificial watermelon flavor in this thing to be able to get that much uh, flavor out of it. What do you think? I don't don't know. It's possible. Okay. Some kind of extract, at least. Yeah, it's, it's got to be an extract because even when I eat fresh watermelon, I don't get this much watermelon, you know, goodness, essence. All right, John. Well, how about since our last recording, have you part- 
taked in any great noteworthy beers that you would love to share with our listeners? Uh, sure. Why not? I can share. Okay. Um, so the first one I'll talk about is a brewery that I've just recently discovered um, in our area. They're uh, up in Arlington, Washington, uh, which is uh, 45, 50 minutes north of Seattle. Okay. Um, and uh, it's Skookum Brewery. And uh, I've had a couple of their beers prior to this one, and I've enjoyed them all. And this one was excellent. I think I gave it four and a half caps. Oh, wow. And that is their uh, Murder of Crows. Mm-hmm. That's an imperial stout uh, aged on seasoned oak. Oh, yeah. And uh, this thing was just magnificent. And, you know, for such a, a big beer, uh, I think it came in at 10% or 9%. Oh, wow. Um, the oak was just really well done. And if you wanted to know what oak tasted like in a beer, that you got it exactly out of this. And it, it didn't overpower. <laughs> you know, you weren't searching for it, wondering if it was there. It was it was present. It complemented the beer nicely. And it was just very well done. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to help anybody that doesn't live near me. But if you are in the Seattle area and you want to get a good representation of oak in a beer... Go check out the Skookum Murder of Crows. So it's right. really good. Um, so another one I'll mention uh, is the Dogfish Head uh, Beer to Drink Music to. Uh, and this is a, a triple. Uh, it's made with a, a few things, but the interesting addition to this, I thought, was vanilla. Oh. And I wasn't really sure how that was going to work, but... It, it actually came together really nicely. The, the, the beer, it, it was more just like a traditional triple, uh, you know, when you drink it, but it, it kind of had this nice sweet vanilla in the finish, uh, which actually like complemented really well and actually worked. Um, you know, I, I would be a little worried that a tr- triple that's sweet in the finish would become cloying and you wouldn't want to keep drinking it, but mm-hmm. the vanilla was soft. It wasn't overly sweet. Um, and it, it was just really good. And I don't know if this is still around. I picked it up a couple months ago um, and finally got around to drinking it. But uh, if you if you can find this one, I'd, I'd recommend picking it up because uh, it, it was very nice. And it should be available most places. Yeah. Um, have so, you found no, that one? No, or? no. We don't get dogfish head in Idaho. Um, only if you – back when Brewer uh, – what was it called? Uh Oh my gosh, I even forgot the other beer market. Uh, Bruforia was, uh, was the first beer market we had in the Boise area. They had uh, some kind of special shipping thing with Dogfish Head, and they were allowed to, to ship the beer into their market and sell it. That's when my wife bought a $40 six-pack. And <laughs> after that, I told her, hey, thank you, sweetheart. I love you. You're the best, but... I am not paying $40 for a six-pack of 12-ounce bottles again, uh, but it was enjoyable. Uh, so, yeah, so now that that market has gone out of business and we no longer get dogfish head, you know, in, in the area, and so I won't be paying that much money for beer again. So Interesting. I didn't know they were not there anymore. So. Nope. It was, it was only some special shipping thing they had with that one market. Even Brewer's Haven doesn't get it. 
because they use real distributors, not some kind of uh, backdoor distribution, you know, thing they were doing. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe that's why they're out of business now. They got yeah, caught by the say, feds. <laughs> they tend to frown on that. <laughs> um, so I'll talk about one more. Uh, and this is a beer that you were kind enough to bring out to me All right. after a couple years of me being unable to get it, even though it's made spot appearances in kegs in the Seattle area. <laughs> and that is the 10 barrel cucumber crush, uh, the cucumber sour ale, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and you told me that this wasn't as good. And, uh, <laughs> If this wasn't as good, I really wish I could have had the previous version because I still really enjoyed this beer. Well, good. Um, and, you know, it may have helped that I just completed a bunch of yard work and it was just very refreshing at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, really nice cucumber. And I got a lot, uh, a lot of melon out of it, too. Um, that was really nice. So, yeah, I would still recommend it, even if it is uh, has taken a, a slight decline. Yeah, so. yeah. That now, now let me just say that I did before I gave this beer to you because if this beer wasn't at least kind of up to the standard that I that I have enjoyed from the stuff we've had on tap in the past, I wasn't going to give it to you because I didn't want you to have a sample of a beer that was not even close to what we've had before. The cans that I purchased were actually pretty good. That's why I gave that one to you because. Because it still was not as good as some of the stuff we had on tap a year or two ago, but still really, really good. Um, the stuff we've had on tap at the Boise Tim Barrel Brewery this year has not lived up to the standard. It actually was not, it was actually really bad. So I was so grateful that when we got the cans, that the cans actually tasted pretty close to what the original cucumber crust tasted like when we first fell in love with it. So I, I think I gave that like a four, four, four and a half rating for the can that, that you had, John. So it's pretty close to the, to the original. The original that we had for the first couple of years was two, was a five star rating. Every time we had it, it was five star. It was only recently that we got disappointed in the output. So good. Okay. Good. I had it at a four and a half as well. So. There you go. Okay. It's a, it's a four, it's definitely a four and a half. For sure. Rare time we're in sync. Yeah, on, on reading. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a great beer, and um, it's I mean it's a little bit expensive. I think it's it's twelve bucks a six pack, but uh, it really is a quality cucumber sour beer, or you know it's, it's a cucumber Berliner Weiss. So it's really, I mean it's 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 a, a great beer, very refreshing. And if you are doing yard work and you come in and you're want something to be refreshing, this beer is fantastic just to rejuvenate your energy and get you feeling cooled down and refreshed again. So good job. Good call on, on doing it after the yard work. And I, and I delayed the yard work enough to get the badge. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still need to go get another one of those cans so I can get that badge too, because I drink a lot of this beer. I need the badge. Yeah. You better hurry. Yeah, I better. <laughs> so what have you had over the last couple of weeks? All right. I have drank a lot of beers, but you know what? I've drank a lot of beers that I've already logged and I've already probably talked about. So I have a very very short list this time. And both the beers I'm going to talk about are from my favorite Idaho brewery, Grand Teton Brewing. I absolutely love this brewery. 
They make some of my favorite beers, and they never rare. I mean, I won't say never. They rarely ever disappoint me in a beer. I mean, so rarely that I can't even remember last time I was disappointed. But one of the beer, the first beer I'm going to talk about is a beer that they only offer like every three years. And I wish, oh my gosh, I wish they gave me this beer every year. And it's the Grand Teton Double Vision Doppelbach. And uh, this beer is one of my favorite Doppelbachs ever. It's always a five cap rating. Just so much flavor and just Bach goodness. It's doubly Bach goodness. And John, if if in your bottle shop, if you run across this bottle, it's a twenty it's a twenty five ounce bottle. Please pick it up and try it and let me know if it's you know, lives up to your standard of double you know, a doppelbach because it's 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 what I gauge every doppelbach against is this one. Okay. Yeah, I I've not seen that, but if I see it, I'll grab it. Okay. Okay. Well, if you tell me you're going to come visit me in the next couple of weeks, and I'll go grab one of the last bottles on the shelf right now for you, and we can share it. <laughs> but if you can't, then I'm just going to pass, and you have to wait for three years to try. I guess I'll have to wait. <laughs> no problem. No problem. All right. So the next beer that, uh, again, if you can get Grand Teton, and these are both these beers are special release beers. They're not offered all the time and in this last this last one i'm going to talk about is the first time it's ever been offered it's the brett saison it's a special barrel released uh, beer that they've been aging for a while and they put some bread in there and um, it's a saison and it has a very good brett character that blends well with the saison uh, yeast characters and stuff that you get from from that type of farmhouse ale um very uh, crisp and refreshing, and it, the Brett was perfect in this beer. Um, it was only like a 10 and a half ounce bottle. So, uh, you know, I paid a premium price. I think it was like 10, I think I paid a buck an ounce or maybe a buck and change an ounce for this bottle, but it was worth every penny that I paid. It was a perfect example of a Brett Saison that you don't, you know, you don't get very often. And when you do get it, sometimes, the Brett character can be a little overwhelming, and this one was like a perfect uh, balance between the Brett with the the Saison Wild characters. So, did you have you haven't had this beer, have you, John? No. Okay. All right. No, we got the Berliner Weiss, not the Saison. Oh, the uh, the the Badger the one, right? Badger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's good too. My wife my wife loves that beer, not as much as she loves the 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 wheat beer. The Howling, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. The Howling something uh, wheat beer. Uh, she loves that one even more. She, that's Howling good, Wolf. Howling Wolf or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. It's it's really good. Okay, well, that is our noteworthy beer. But, John, by any chance, yes. do you have an update for our listeners on how quickly you're catching up to me? Since I only had two noteworthy beers that must mean that uh, you must be overpowering me with the untapped check-ins. I mean, of course I have an update. It's the only reason most people listen anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, your prophecy has come true. I gained 11 beers back, so mm. I'm only behind by 111. Now. Okay. All right. Yeah. I've, I've turned around my two-episode slide, so back in, back in the right direction. All right. 
All right. Well, I um, I do have a lot of unique beers in my beer fridge, so you might need to step up your game if you want to keep up that trend for the next episode. All right. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we do have one listener question, and it's brought to us by our buddy Devious Mr. Matt from the 40Cast podcast, our favorite adult podcast. And this is a question that he asked when I was on. Well, wait, when when did he ask this question? It was we when were, we were on. We were both on the show, right? Yeah. Okay. When we were when John and I were both on the Forty Cast, he asked us a, a few questions, but we have been neglect neglecting his questions a little bit. So we thought we'd go ahead and answer one of his questions. And he asked, "How do you get your recipes?" And this is directed to John because John is the home brewer. So John. If Matt wants to try to branch out and get some new homebrew recipes, how would he do that, and how do you get your homebrew recipes? All right, so I'm going to just cover a bunch of ways that I've gotten recipes in the past. Uh, Nowadays, I'm more in the make them up um, or find something and tweak it uh, kind of category. But uh, I'll start with one that... I think is a nice little trick, and I don't think a lot of people realize you can do. Um, so a lot of the really big uh, homebrew shops have their online stores, like uh, Northern Brewer, I know is one. I think you can do this at More Beer as well. Um, but they sell recipe kits. Mm. And while you know, telling you to go look at the kit sounds like I'm not telling you how to get the recipe. <laughs> um you don't have to buy the kit. Uh, like Northern Brewer has a link to a PDF on their recipe on the uh, kit page that has the recipe and all of the instructions to brew that beer. So you could go just get the PDF and go to your local shop and and fill it out if you want, or just get the kit, um, or just look at it for some inspiration and uh, give you a starting point to to build something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a nice little uh, trick you can do. Uh, to, to just kind of at least getting a, get a starting point. Um, so another one I'll mention is probably the most popular homebrew forum. Um, that's homebrewtalk.com. They have a whole recipe section where people put up their recipes and people talk about it, go back and forth, other people brew them. Um, in the recipe section, you can sort each style. I think it's all broken down by styles. And you can sort all the styles by the number of stars people, other people have given it, meaning they've brewed it and they say, yes, this guy has a good recipe. So sort that out, check out all the five star recipes and it'll have things marked for extract and all grain. Um, some will have both. Um, but, uh, that's a good, a good resource. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll mention a couple books, uh, Probably my number one go-to book uh, if I want to start figuring out a style uh, is Brewing Classic Styles uh, by Jamil Zanishev, guy who ended up founding Heretic, and John Palmer, who also wrote the How to Brew book. Um, <clears throat> they have a, a recipe in there for every beer in the 2008 BJCP style guidelines, mm. and every one of them won an award. Um, from Jamil brewing it. Uh, 
and uh, they have it's it's based on extract recipes. They have all grain modifications for each one as well. Um, but it's a great resource and great recipes in there. Um, so uh, another thing you can do uh, if you're wanting to kind of strike out on your own, the other book would be Designing Great Beers by Ray Daniels, another great resource. This uh, He pulled together all the winning uh, recipes at the National Homebrew Competition over a period of eight or ten years and like broke it all down and it's like it in this style you know 87 percent of the beers had this hopping or this ibu level and um so it has actual recipes in there but also it can help guide you on that i'm going to start making up my own recipes mm-hmm. um uh path so that's another one that i, I enjoy and i recommend uh, another option is just to google <laughs> uh, it's a bit more of a crapshoot. You may not know really what you're getting, um, but uh, you can stumble upon some good things there. It's how I did the research for my peanut butter porter that uh, Wes and I brewed. So okay, um, so so in searching Google, because this is probably how most home brewers are going to want to try to find something unique. How how would you let's say, like for example, your peanut butter porter that you bought. Or you you made? Did you put in what, what search criteria did you put in to find the peanut butter porter? Did you put in a certain type of peanut butter porter, like from a brewery clone, or what search terms did you use to find the recipe that that you guys used? Peanut butter porter recipe. That's all you put <laughs> I mean, in. It, it's that simple, yeah. Um, and then you know, if you're having trouble, you know, based on some of the stuff you find, maybe modify it a bit. Uh, but yeah. It, Looking for a clone is another good way mm-hmm. to to find it if you know a beer that you like and you want to do something like that. Um, but uh, you know, it, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, so yeah. take it all with a grain of salt. That's why I, I like more the homebrew talk forum where other people have brewed it and kind of given feedback on it. Yeah. Um, and you may be able to find that out there just searching, but uh, yeah, just don't don't expect everything to turn out great. If uh, Google is your uh, only method. Okay. Um, and the last uh, place I get my recipes is my brain. <laughs> because you're and just that smart. I am. It's <laughs> it's quite intimidating to others. But, uh, you know, just what flavors do I want? Um, you know, if you think about the beer, what do you want it to taste like? Uh, and then what malt and hops and other additions can give you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you look at, you know, any of the homebrew shops, uh, you know, they'll have the different malts. They'll tell you what to, what they'll taste like. Um, the hops, you can get their profiles online. Um, and the, the only thing I'll say with this is, uh, try to keep it simple. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. When you're starting, it's, it's easy to, uh, like, Oh, well, I like that flavor. And I like that flavor. And I like that flavor. And I, you, throw it all together yeah. and then you just got this muddled mess that doesn't mm-hmm. taste like anything. Um, so yeah, keep it simple and then build from there if uh, you're lacking or, or you want to pivot a little bit. Okay. But, uh, good advice. So that, that'd be my recommendation. Yeah, that's good advice. Now, John, if Matt contacted you and said, Hey, John, I hear you have a kick ass vanilla stout recipe. Would you release that recipe to him to try on his own? Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so another resource is John. Hey, contact yeah, another, John. And... Another resource, homebrewengineer.com. <laughs> homebrewengineer.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, I've got some of my recipes up there. Actually, I don't think the vanilla stout. Oh, yes, it is. I think I put it up there. Okay. And um, make sure you, you put in the, the how you did the coffee vanilla stout, too, because both those beers are fantastic. And I think that any home brewer would, uh, I mean, if, if you want to go for a beer that is proven to be good, then follow John's recipes because those are fantastic beers. I can't, but my whole family loves those beers from John. So if there's three of us, four of us that say thumbs up, then you know you got a good beer. So ask John. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I champion that and others are shouting into their iPhone. Small sample size. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? I have some advice too. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't even homebrew. But I know that some breweries actually put their recipes for cloning or for at least trying to mimic their beers on their websites. And guess what brewery does that that I'm going to give you right now? Do you have any idea, John? Hmm. Deschutes. Yes! John, you have read my mind. Deschutes Brewery out of Bend, Oregon, makes some fantastic beers. Guess what? You go search for their beers, go to the beer page, and there's a tab on there that says homebrew. And it gives you an idea of how to brew the beer. Now, is it, you know, step by step with, you know, detailed instructions? No. But it does tell you the malts and the hops and the size and the gravity you should be looking for, the boil time and uh, the fermentation temp, and the yeast to use. So in general, it kind of gives you, you know, most of the stuff you need. Now, John, with given that information, do you think that home brewers can kind of accurately reproduce that beer, or do you need more information? Um, oh, you can get there. Uh, just find a brewing calculator and start plugging that stuff in and get to your targets. Um, but, you know, if... if if you look for your favorite brewery and they don't have it, mm-hmm. uh, shoot them an email. Yeah. They may they may answer. I've done that before. I got the Carl Strauss Red Trolley uh, no recipe. No way. Wow. Way. So, um, you know, it's not everybody's willing to share. Uh, some people are weird about it um, and they don't want to give up, you know, their proprietary you know, recipe yeah. or yeah. yeast. And I will say uh, of everything that they'll tell you, yeast is the thing you're most likely to be told to go shove off um, because it's uh, you know house strain proprietary thing even though most of them you end up using the same yeast Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been cultivated in that brewery for years and maybe it's taken on a bit of its own character Um, but most even if they won't tell you which yeast it is they'd be like well it's a very popular English strain and then (laughs) you you can at least be on the right track of, okay, I need an English yeast. And yeah. so I want to get some of that kind of character. So, uh, don't be put off if they're, you know, not willing to tell you that it, it some folks feel that it's, you know, a bit of a trade secret type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeast is very important. So yeah. It, oh, yeah. to some degree it is, but, uh, yeah. So don't feel free to ask. I mean, yeah. a lot of folks will, um, We'll tell you. Just don't ask Stone about being a bastard. They won't tell you anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably not. Although there is a clone for Arrogant Bastard, and it's not from 
stone, obviously, but um, I've had a home brewer here locally that has made it. And although it's not exactly like the stone arrogant bastard, it is pretty damn close and pretty damn tasty. So uh, if you do find a good arrogant bastard clone, most likely it's going to taste pretty close to to what you get from the the real brewery. And and keep in mind that you know we mentioned in one of our earlier shows that water also makes a huge difference in how the flavor of the beer comes out. So. If your water doesn't have the same minerals and, uh, you know, traits as the water being used to brew that beer, especially the shoots, because the shoots, they mimic water from the Trent area in England. So they put a lot of gypsum and a lot of uh, minerals into their water before they brew their beer, just so they can mimic that water traits that come from that English area. So... You may be able to follow the actual ingredients, but the water may be a little bit different. That will give you a little bit different flavor also, so keep that in mind. All right, well, you know what? If you want to be like Mr. or Devious Mr. Matt and get your question read on the show and answered by the expert John and the color commentary by Denny, who adds a little bit of extra pizzazz to every question, then <laughs> you can do that by sending your comments and questions through email to tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can do it through social media, through Twitter at tapthecraft at twitter.com or whatever it is. I don't know how to do it on Twitter, but, you know, we're just follow us at, at tapthecraft and, you know, write a, a post to us. We'll get your question. Or, you know, what is even better is you can interact with us live on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash tapthecraft. You can add to our wall, ask a question, or, you know, comment on a show post with your experiences or whatever. And guess what? We will share that on the show just like we did with with uh, Matt Helmer from the 40Cast. So, hey, come and contact us. Now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment. In this segment, we are going to discuss the American Pale Ale style guidelines based on the beer judging certification program. Is that right, John? That's right. Yeah, beer style. Yeah, beer style guidelines, 2015 edition, the latest, greatest beer style judging guidelines. And the category that we, this uh, that we're going to talk about again, it's the American Pale Ale. It's in the Pale American Ales category, and these ales are ales of average strength, light in color, and moderately malty to moderately bitter. So that's the kind of category this, this this is in, and it's the American Pale Ale style. And the overall impression that they give for this beer style is it's a pale, refreshing, and hoppy ale. Yet, it has sufficient supporting malt to make the beer a balanced and drinkable beer. So this is kind of like the best of, of, of both worlds of a beer. It's got the malt, and it's got the hops but it's not you know it's kind of well balanced it's not overly uh ex, you know ex, ex, exuberant in either side is that kind of correct john you kind of have a a good balance yeah yeah and a lot of people use balanced for any style mm-hmm. and they just mean balanced for the style but here it actually means balance between the malt between and the yeah you want, yeah you want both <laughs> and it, it's not like you want it balanced to the hops. Like if you said it's a balanced IP, like 
yeah, balanced IPA. People mean it's got a lot of hops, yeah. which isn't balanced at all. Yeah. But uh, yeah, here they actually mean what the word means. Yeah. Yeah. This this is kind of you know for me, the pale ale is is like the the beer that is the the middle ground for the different styles for me. You know, you can go lager, you can go, you know, hop or you can go really hoppy or you can go really dark, dark malty. This one's kind of like the, you know, right in the middle that just gives you a good beer that is not normally is not going to turn anyone off to beer based on, on whether it's going to be too much malts or too much hops. It's going to be, you know, a good, like we, like John said, balance between it. Uh, they also say that it's going to give you a clean hop presence, and this can reflect classic or modern American or New World hop varieties with a wide range of characteristics. So you can go old school, or you can go new, you know, world hops. And and John, by any chance, do you know what the New World hops are? Is it like the the new? Uh, uh, mosaics and stuff like that, or what do they mean by new world? So I, I think mosaic would fall under modern American. Modern, okay. Um, and things like Cascade and Chinook would be the classic American. Yeah. I would guess that new world is a lot of the like New Zealand style okay. pop okay. coming out now. Because um, I, I assume old world would be European. Okay. So. Okay, so like Nelson hops and Galaxy hops, maybe. Those are yeah. those are that type of hops, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Real good. Good. And it says it has an average strength hop forward pale American craft beer. That's what it is. An average strength hop forward, meaning you're going to get those hops up front, pale American craft beer. It's generally balanced to be more accessible than the modern American IPA. So, again, it's not going to be excessive hops that are going to, you know, and bitterness is like the IPA is going to be more on a on a you know more milder side. So John, what are we going to get out of the aroma of a pale ale, American pale ale? Uh art so, you know, up front you're going to have those hops. That's what's going to come out. Moderate to strong hop aroma, the American New World hop varieties um like we discussed. And you know, that can give you a, a lot of different characteristics, citrus, floral, uh, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical, fruit, stone fruit, berry, or melon. And those last ones would be more indicative of the, the new world, modern, modern American and new world. Okay. Um, hops. Yeah. The, you know, you'll get some citrus out of that too, but the citrus, floral, pine, you know, that's classic American hops. Um, so just to give an idea of how that breaks down and, uh, you know, a little bit on, how you know what what hops are coming from where? Yeah, so, like yeah. Uh, Robert was asking. Yeah. So, um, so along with that, low to moderate maltiness uh, supports hop presentation. Uh, may optionally show small amounts of specialty char- malt character, a bit of a bready, toasty biscuit or caramelly. Um, <laughs> personally, I don't want the the caramel in the beer. Yeah. Yeah, but, now now that's you just brought up some good points here on the malts. Um now we expect to have a little bit of malt character in a pail more than we'd have in an IPA. In IPA we're going to really be showcasing the hops, so you want to have more hops, but on a pail ale though, you should have a little bit of 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 malt character in there, but um in the new like the new age pails 
you don't really uh, a lot of times, especially American pails, you don't want to have a lot of the malt character. So caramel, especially, is one that you don't want to showcase. Uh, I, I mean, a little bit of biscuity, a little bit of uh, breadiness is okay. Um, caramel just seems like uh, it almost needs to be in in more of a darker ale. What it, is that? What well, you? And that's the the caramel is uh, really what a lot of people have pointed at as the division between the East coast and the West coast. Okay. And that the East coast had more of a reliance on the crystal caramel malts, um, because that's what a lot of the English beers were done with. And that's what they were mimicking there. Mm-hmm. And things just dried out as they went West. Um, so personally, I nowadays enjoy more of a biscuit crackery yeah. and a malt character in a, in a pail. Um, but that's all personal preference. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they also say fruity esters vary from moderate to none. Um, I would say none. Yeah, I, I agree. You have any fruity esters. <laughs> I agree. An English pale ale, not an American pale ale. Yeah. Should be a clean yeast character. It shouldn't contribute at all. Um, and then dry hopping may add grassy notes, but that should not be excessive. Yeah. And that that I'd I'd say anytime you have dry hopping, yeah, you shouldn't have excessive grassiness. Yeah, that that just means you you probably left those in a little bit too long, or how would you get the grassy notes from the dry hopping? Is it because you left it left those hops in there too long to dry hop? Yeah, in too long or just way too much altogether. Okay. Okay. So, oh, good. So, how about the appearance? Well, you know what? It's called a pale ale. So guess what? It's going to be pale golden to light amber. You don't want to have a super dark, you know, colored beer when you're calling it a pale ale for the pale malts that you're using in this ale. This is one of the issues that I'm going to go on a tangent, John. Just bear with me. This is one of the issues that I'm starting to have, you know, now that I'm being more uh, judgmental on the beers that I'm drinking, is that if it's called a pale ale or an IPA, an India pale ale, you know what? It should be pale. It shouldn't be dark. It shouldn't be amber red, or red and uh, you know brown. It should be a pale ale. So it's nice to see that they're considering an American pale ale to actually be light in golden pale color or light amber. So I agree with that. Let's stick with the color guidelines. I don't want to. I'm getting tired of seeing red IPAs. Well, you know what? A red IPA is no longer pale. It's a red, right? Come on. Get with the program. All right. Off my soapbox. <laughs> tell them. Yeah, I'll you tell, tell them. them. <laughs> All right. It also can, you know, with talking about the head. Now, we're talking about the coloring of the beer, but you know what? The head means a lot, too. It should have a moderately large white to off-white head with a good retention. I, You know what? I really do enjoy beers that that head retention is there. Because that means that that's got a lot of you know good stuff in there, and I I do really enjoy the uh, you know the the coloring of the white to off white head. So um, I'll agree yeah, with that. Like a lot of protein. Yeah, a lot of proteins in there. Retention. Yeah, yeah, and it should be uh, you know again it should be a clear beer, you know relatively clear beer. You don't want to have a lot of sediment in there, a lot of cloudiness or haziness. That's not what a, a good pale ale should look like. Although I do admit that, you know, a lot of breweries nowadays is kind of teetering on that, you know, cloudy 
beer thing and you know what it's okay to experiment i don't mind trying different things it gives a little different flavor profile but if it's you know my pale ale is a good pale ale is going to be a more of a clear pale ale that's what i expect so and that's what the guidelines say it should be uh, quite clear but they do say that some dry hop versions could be slightly hazy all right i'll give them that <laughs> and all right yeah, and, and John, let's go into the flavor. And I know that some of the flavor profiles are going to kind of match the aroma, so you can kind of blast through some of that a little bit faster if you if you feel a need to. Yeah, and the flavor really does mimic the aroma. The hops will be more forward than the malt. Um, same American New World hop character. Uh, the, the malt will be there in a low to moderate uh, grainy malt character, uh, you know, enough to support the hops. And that's, again, that bready, toasty, biscuity uh, type of character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now in, in the flavor, we're going to t- talk more about that balance. And, uh, you know, the balance is, uh, you know, more towards the late hops and a little bit to the bitterness, but it, it shouldn't be overly bitter beer. Yeah. Um, you should know the malt is there. Uh, it should, you know, even things out. Um, so, uh, yeah, malt presence supportive not distracting as as they say um caramel flavors are often absent or fairly restrained i say absent yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh they again are on the fruit fruity yeast esters moderate to none again none Uh, but they do note that you know nowadays uh, a lot of hop varieties can be pretty fruity so yeah make sure you can distinguish between the two um so moderate to high hop bitterness, uh, I don't think I would go as far as high hop bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, medium to dry finish, that I agree with. Yeah. So I give yeah. props there. Um, hop flavor and bitterness often lingers into the finish. Uh, with the aftertaste, should generally be clean and not harsh. It's a drinkable pale ale. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to, mm-hmm. to linger too much. And then again, the dry hopping, uh, you know, avoid the grassy notes. So Yeah. And that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, pretty much the flavor and uh, is the same as the aroma. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Keep it balanced, maybe slightly towards the hops. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. So with all of that, uh, you know, flavor profile, what are we going to feel as far as our mouth feel when we have this beer in our mouth? Well, they say it should be a pretty much a medium light to medium body. You don't want to have a really heavy beer you want to have kind of medium light to to medium also your the the carbonation which is very important to me it really should be moderate to high i lean more towards the moderate because i don't like a lot of bubbles the sierra nevada pale ale for example to me is way too much bubbles carbonation but to some that's probably the perfect you know carbonation but i like things a little bit less carbonated i like to to not be burping up you know, all my beers every five minutes, I, I take a drink. Yeah, no, I agree. It should be moderate. If, yeah. I, if I was judging and something was really high carbonation, like effervescent, I would dang it for that. Yeah, yeah. But here's here's a key. I think this is a, a, a pretty key thing to any good pale ale is that the overall, it should be a smooth finish with no astringency and harshness. And I, I can't agree more that you don't want to have any of that that uh, astringency, puckerness, or uh, harshness from anything, any of the ingredients in there, it should be a very smooth, fin- you know, uh, beer. 
uh, for a pale ale. You know, I expect some of that stuff to come out in the IPAs, but the pale should not have have that, in my opinion. So, John, being the brewer, the brewing expert of the show, what are the characteristic ingredients that you will be finding in these American pale ales? Uh, pale ale malt, um, which again sounds like a cop out, but it's an actual thing. I actually use pale malt in pretty much all my recipes. I buy it <laughs> by the sack now. So by the fifty-pound um, sack or forty-pound sack, fifty-five. Fifty-five. So, oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah, but typically, uh, North American two row, it is an American pale ale. Try mm-hmm. to use the ingredients. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. On the plate of the beer that you're going <laughs> to brew. Um, you know, and, and that's going to be your base and probably going to be 90% of what you put in, into this. Uh, you know, for some of those other biscuit, uh, toasty that you might have a little extra, something like a light Munich or, or even some wheat or something like that, but it won't be, uh, an appreciable percentage. Um, so hops, American or new world. I don't know that we've stated that enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, wide range of allowable characteristics. I mean, pretty much as long as it's not, uh, you know, earthy floral English hops or spicy noble hops, you're good. So, um, all the rest of those hop characters you can bring into this beer. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they say American or English ale yeast. Uh, no, American ale yeast. Um, it's an American pale ale. I will disagree with that. And if I was judging, I would ignore that and ding anybody that had a fruity ester from an English ale yeast. Okay. So. All right. Well, good to know. That is good to know, John, that we want to make sure that we don't have any fruity esters in our pale ale. So the pale ale that we brewed up when we were there, there's not going to be any fruity esters, right? Nope. Okay. There might be some fruitiness from the mosaic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That is good to know. All right. So we just talked about all the characteristics of beer, except for a couple things. And that is what the vital statistics as far as bitterness and alcohol level. So they say that the international bittering units, how bitter this beer is, should be between 30 and 50. And wow, that seems like a pretty high range. Is that, is that, what you agree with, John, as far as the bitterness of this should be between 30 and 50? Yeah, I think that's that's appropriate. Okay. Okay. I, I think I like to see pale ales a little bit closer to the 30 to 40 range. 50 might be okay. It's hard for me to judge if 50 is going to be a little bit more bitter than it needs to be. But maybe if they use a little bit more malt uh, you know, characteristics in it so that it has a little bit more, more malty, so they got to use a little bit more bitterness to kind of counteract that, then I'll accept a 50. Yeah. And you know, these are calculated or measured or whatever, but it's really all about perception. Yeah. So if you've got, you know, a stronger biscuity character or something, that's going to balance out some of those IBUs. Mm -hmm. So it can be, uh, up there. Yeah. Um, also, you might need it if you go in the upper range of the next one, which we both. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say that I definitely disagree with this. The, the alcohol by volume level to me seems a little bit steep. Uh, they're starting at 4.5, which I thought was a little bit high to start with the American Pale L, and it ends at 6.2%. I, I would, I, I know that I appreciate pale L's that 
that don't have to go into that higher alcohol level. I like a sessionable pale ale, but John, do you think that my likes are maybe more towards what the English pale ale would provide? I mean, I'm sure if I looked at the English pale ale, the statistics, they may have a, a, a pale ale that starts at three and a half or, you know, four versus a four and a half. Is it because it's American that they, they start so high? Uh, I think it it would start probably around the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe start at four, but yeah. I I don't think it'd climb all the way to six. I I, I think this is more just a, a bit of the creep that we've seen over the years, where IPAs start at six and a half and seven instead of six, mm-hmm. and you know it just kind of built because you need newer, bigger, better. Yeah. Um. But yeah, my. Personally, my ideal pale is in the five to five and a half range. Okay, that's yeah. I, that's my sweet spot. So. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I think, you know, I think that uh, without revealing too much, I think the pale ale we're going to be tasting is in that range that you enjoy. So uh, so I agree. I think five is where I would, uh, you know, settle in the middle range. Uh, but I'm okay with drinking a pale ale that's four to four and a half. Just because I, like we've mentioned earlier in the year, we're enjoying sessionable or more realistic, smaller beers that have the flavors and the characters we enjoy. We, you know, I, I'm kind of in the beginning of my beer journey, it was all about more alcohol, more alcohol, more alcohol. Now that I've really enjoyed what I can get from a beer, and, and a perfect example, which I want to do a, a style profile here in the next few episodes is the Goza. I have fallen in love with this beer style, but you know what? It's a beer style that is inherently low alcohol. And I think that is why I enjoy it so much is that I can get enjoyment out of it without having the high alcohol and, uh, and, and just enjoy the flavors that it gives me. So I can do the same thing with these pale ales. I don't need to have six and a half percent pale ale you know that's an ipa in my books i like a five five and a half is a, is a good reasonable amount so i agree with you john so john what are some commercial examples of this style so first off uh they list the ballast point grunion pale ale um and i was surprised i actually hadn't had that one what? so what um <laughs> But I, I'm gonna have to fix that because I always skipped it at the store because like oh, I've had that I'll go get something I haven't had. Um, but apparently I haven't logged that one, so oh, I'm gonna get goodness. that next time I go to the store. Um, next is a Firestone and Walker Pale 31, which we mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, the Great Lakes Burning River, uh, which I've also had. Uh, have you had that one? No, I haven't had You're the Great Lakes in I, Ohio. I, no, no, I've. Uh... Well, you know what? I don't think I've had it. Hold on. I need to look it up just in case. But I did have some Great Lakes, but I don't think the Burning River was the one I had when I was... Oh, oh, I did have it. Did you know I had it, John? Did you look it up? I did not. I was trying to look it up. I was trying to beat you. but Oh, my gosh. I had it when I was visiting Ohio back in uh, June 28th, 2012. That shows you how long I've been using Untapped, at least since 2012. <laughs> I had it when I was visiting my good old buddy Vic Joe, USMC 86, which we had on the show. Um, I gave it a three. I gave it three out of five. I said, this is a, this is a good pale ale. The beer is flowing good. <laughs> you know what? This is a beer I, I had after drinking a bunch of beers. So I was going to say, based <laughs> on your check-in and your 
random capitalization. I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, this 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 is why I love this application because I had no idea that I actually had this beer until I looked it up on the app. Um, because I had already had probably twelve beers when I logged this one. So, um, yeah. That's uh, I have had it. So I've actually had every single beer that you're going to list here. So what's the other beers, John? So we've got Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, the Stone Pale Ale, and Trogues Pale Ale. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I've had Trogues. I've had other Trogues, but I don't think I've had their Pale. Okay. I believe I have had that one, but you know what? I better look it up because uh, I have untapped, at least if I've had it since. Hmm. I'm just getting a bunch of their scratch series beers oh there it is no longer in production (laughs) oh man way to go 2015 style guidelines yeah that is odd because you're right all it comes up is the scratch you scroll down quite a ways you'll get to their pale ale which is no longer in production okay all right so that's probably not a good one people are still logging it so i don't like logging it with pictures of the bottle. So I don't know. Maybe there's a newer something. Okay, but so I, I, I haven't logged it. So if it, uh, if I did have it, yeah, some guy just logged it two hours ago. So obviously it's still. Yeah, I don't know what Untap's talking about. Yeah. So, But um, yeah, maybe I haven't had this or I had it when I wasn't on Untapped. Um, I have had Trogues. I, I get Trogues when I go to Virginia. Um, which, uh, you know what, maybe now is a good time, you know, to mention that, hey, I will be in the Virginia, Pennsylvania, D.C. area Memorial Day weekend through the next weekend. I have plans already with uh, both those weekends. But if you're in the Manassas, Virginia area and you want to get together with me and have a beer, then send us some feedback at uh, taptocraft.gmail.com or on our Tap to Craft uh, Twitter page or our Facebook page, and I will arrange for us to meet up and have a beer. I'll buy your beer if you're 21. I will say I won't buy beer for under 21, but if you're 21, I will buy you a beer when I'm in mm. there. Uh, you know, next month I am going to meet up with a good buddy of mine, Bill Vlad's Hammer from the OFR cast. We're finally going to meet. I'm going to drive up to his place and go visit some breweries in Pennsylvania. Uh, on the weekend, uh, the second weekend of June, so I can't wait for that uh, to happen. So, no, maybe I should fly out there so you'll buy me a beer. You know, you know what, John, you <laughs> should come out because we never get to hang out. So you might as well fly across the country so we can hang exactly. out together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? That is our brew buzz segment, and John, I think we covered the American Pale Ale pretty damn good, and it's just in time for us to unleash our tasting fury on our Tasting Notes beer. Are you ready for that uh, right now, or you need to go get a beer? I'm ready. All right. So uh, I brought my bottle up with me. I'm going to pop it on air, because John always has a good pop, so here's my pop. How'd that nice. sound? That sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, you're sounding good too. I'm pouring it into my glass. Of course, that's the way we recommend that all of our listeners drink good craft beer is with the proper glassware. 
And just so we can remind everyone, and I hope that you guys were able to go out and find this great beer, we're doing the Deschutes Brewery Mere Pond Pale Ale. And this brewery is in Bend, Oregon. And, of course, the style we're we're, uh, tasting is an American Pale Ale. And this comes in at 5% alcohol by volume. So it's right in that wheelhouse that John and I like to have our pale ales at. We don't like to have those super heavy alcohol. We want to have something that's closer to the, the sessionable pale ale that we can just enjoy without getting blitzed. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to stay cognizant of what you're doing so that you, you know, especially when you're watching kids and stuff, right, John? You, you don't want to be too blitzed. You want to be able to keep your cool. It depends if you have help or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the is kind enough to put the IBUs on the bottle, and it's forty IBUs, so it's right in the middle of that range that we talked about in the American Pale Ale. It's right at forty. Again, that's in the range that I really appreciate my pale ales. You know, not too too bitter. And I'm pouring mine out of a brand new labeled. I mean, these are brand new labels. These are these are different labels than they've ever had before. Uh, 12-ounce bottle. Uh, I think they also make 22-ounce bottles of this. But, John, how are you trying this beer? Are you drinking in a 12-ounce bottle or you got a big 22-ouncer? I also have some 22 or 12-ounce <laughs> bottles. Yeah, yeah it makes me up. Um, but I, I'm curious, uh, what is your best buy date? My best buy date is best buy uh, June 17th, 2016. Okay, so yours is a little older than mine then. My, I'm at uh, July 14th, What? So, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? It doesn't tell me when it was brewed, but obviously... I know. Mine, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, yours would be brewed earlier. Uh, so. Earlier than yours? Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Okay, um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, I think it's still fresh because I still got uh, at least a month before it <laughs> gets old. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of worried. I'm kind of worried, though, now that you just said that uh, yours got an extra month on mine. Mine might be a little bit different. So we might have a little bit different tasting notes on this sucker. You'll be fine. Okay. All right. So um, I'm trying to get a good light. Uh, By the way, both John and I are doing this tasting live. No notes ahead of time. So we are trying to come up with our appearance, our lacing, aromas, everything on the spot. I'd hope we could come up with appearance on the spot. Well, it's hard because the lighting in my Mine room... Mine is brown. Yours like, is not brown. Almost black. All right. Oh, no, you're right. I'm looking at something else. Yeah, okay. Okay, so uh, I'll start this. You know what? I'm going to mention one thing right away. I'm holding up to the white background of my computer monitor. That's where I'm going to get the most uh, you know, real light from is from the white background. And man, I have a ton of bubbles coming up on my glass. How how is how is yours look? Is are you getting a lot of bubbles out of this beer? I have some bubbles. Yeah. What, are you you have some or a lot? I mean, I I do not some. have a etched glass, and bubbles are coming up like crazy. I and my head is still withholding quite a bit of uh, retention, head retention. Yeah, a lot there. of head. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like a lot of head. Um. Coloring, no, it's a clear beer, like like the it suggests. It's not. I wouldn't say it was ultra clear. I would say it's pretty damn clear. Yeah, it's got uh, a slight haze. to it's it. It's got a slight haze to it. It is a uh, it is a golden pale coloring. I would say not too dark. It's still in the pale 
light range. How about your coloring, John? I would call it copper with orange hues. So. I would not call it copper. Are you serious about the copper? It's. It depends. If I put it up to my computer like you do, it's more of an amber. But if I use the light at the top of the room, it's more of a copper. Now, so. you are tasting the mere pond, right? Yes. Okay. I'm getting kind of a a light, maybe uh, golden honey coloring with maybe tints of orange that I can see. I can, I can agree with the orange, but I don't see any, like, redness, copper in there. That's okay. It's okay. So we have a little different in, in coloring. Well, copper is darker. It's like, okay, you know what? You're right. It's kind of coppery. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll say coppery too. Yeah, you're right. Okay. How about you? We already mentioned the head. I, I'm getting an off-white head. It um it was a, a solid one-finger head because I poured gently into my glass. Uh, even with a gentle pour, it you know I still had a decent head on there. Even as we've been talking this whole time, I still have about a quarter-inch head uh, on top of my beer. Off-white is is it's like a cream-colored uh, head with large and small bubbles, and I still have a ton of bubbles coming up from the bottom. How about your head? Yeah, mine's the same except I started with two fingers, but I'm still I'm down to the same quarter of an inch. Yeah. Know, so yeah, so decent head retention. Um, as I move the glass, you know, as I move it around in my glass, I do see the lacing does kind of stick to the, the side of the glass. We'll wait until I I partake in half this glass before we finish our tasting, and I'll be able to tell you for sure if the lacing lasts. Yeah, I can say from the two I've already drank, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good for that. All right. Let's take a big whiff of this beer, John, and give our um, suggestion on what we smell. Yeah, I mostly get citrus off the nose, um, at least from the hops. There's a bit of a sweetness in there for me as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I get a little sweetness off of there. I do get a, maybe a slight citrus, but I get... I'm getting some um, some bready notes in in the, in the nose more than I'm getting the citrus. Yeah, I'll say a little bit of bready, a little bit of citrus, um, and it it smells like it's going to be a little sweeter than I'm than what I was expecting. All right, let's take a. We just did our nose. Let's go ahead and take our sip. Yeah. So here I am getting more of that sweetness, even a little bit of a caramel type character from it. Um, hmm. a little bit of the, little bit of citrus hop in the back, but the malt is taking more of the stage for me in the, uh, in the flavor here. Hmm. I'm just getting damn good beer out of my, <laughs> out of my days. <laughs> it's very descriptive and helpful mm. for everybody listening. I, I am getting the citrus, um, but I'm getting a citrus at the finish, but, um, Wow. It's been honestly. It's been. I, I probably haven't had this beer since last year. So it's been a year since I had this beer, and uh, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm struggling, John. Maybe I should have had a few of these before we started. <laughs> before we started talking about it, so I can get some more flavors. But uh, you go ahead and talk while I take another sip because I need to get some some flavors out of here. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I think the hops are still present, uh, but I 
like you said, I'm getting it more in the finish, more of citrus in the finish. Um, but I, I will say the very first one I drank of this, I was getting a lot more malt and the hops have kind of built as I've gone through. Um, so I, I wonder if it's just kind of layering itself on my tongue as I go here. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I I will say that um, more, more than I've ever before, I'm getting more of the hops in this beer than I – in the past, I always felt like this beer gave me more of a, a malty flavor uh, with less of the hops. For some reason, and maybe because I had this sitting out, um, it's, it's let me just give you a little bit. Uh, this this beer is not is being drank not at a cold temperature, so I'm definitely drinking this as it warmed on my desk. Um, for you know, ten fifteen minutes, it was sitting on my desk before I opened it. So that should help. So it yeah. So it it is definitely not cold. Um. I do get some bready notes, some cracker, maybe some uh, some saltine cracker-ish uh, malt notes. It is definitely not as sweet as I was expecting it to be with the nose. And probably the thing that comes out the most to me when I drink this is the hops come out more. And I'm surprised of that because in the past, I always felt this beer was more on the malty side than the hoppy side. And I'm getting a lot more of that citrus flavor. And maybe because I'm just tasting a lot of it as I'm swallowing it and I'm just remembering that I'm getting the the kind of citrusy hop flavor. But I've already drank over half this beer and I'm not <laughs> I'm not able to describe it as well as I was hoping. Um I, I no. will I will say that the the body is definitely right at that medium light medium light to medium range. Really? Really? What do you say? What do you say? It's I would say medium leaning, medium full. Really? Yeah, that's what I would say. But you're apparently getting a lot more bubble action, which could make it feel lighter. So maybe I'm mi- missing that. So this beer, yeah, this beer is way lighter than I was. Ex- now I'm down to a quarter glass left. No, this beer is not heavy or not. I would say it was between. Medium, medium light to medium is where I would say the body. It it it, it feels right for a pale, in my opinion. Um, I I will say the carbonation is a little higher for what I like. Um, I'm probably gonna be burping here in a few minutes, so keep bear with me. I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time if I all of a sudden start talking and burp. But um, even now that I have a quarter of a cup left, I'm still getting carbonation bubbles coming up from the bottom of my glass so uh, it appears to be a little bit more carbonated than i expected and john the lacing you are correct um the lacing is sticking to the side of the glass all the way down and i still have a slight head slight film of head on the top of this uh, beer with just a little bit left in the glass so uh solid overall solid beer as far as you know the all those protein sticking to the glass and I, that, that that tells me it's it's made well yeah so in, in regards to the carbonation it does stay on the bottle it's bottle conditioned so there could be a little bit of bottle to bottle variation there that we could be seeing oh it is but, bottle conditioned 
I'll be done. I did not realize this beer was a bottle conditioned beer. Wow. I, um, okay, I'm cheating. And, uh, you're not looking at the profile. <laughs> yeah, now I'm looking. Now John just told me to look at the bottle. So now I'm cheating. And the profile does say floral, citrus, and caramel notes. I will honestly say that I am not getting the caramel. I'm getting kind of bready notes of as far as the malts. I am getting the citrus, and now that it it said floral, I can I can see the floral uh, flavor in there also. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. What John? What about the, what about your finish? Yeah, you already mentioned that you're you can get the citrus hop finish. Is that is that all you get in the finish? Yeah, I think the hops are what's mostly there. That citrusy note, yeah, and it does linger for a little bit. Um, which I don't mind. It's it's not aggressive. It's light and uh, actually pretty pleasant. So. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, my finish is almost a hundred percent citrusy flavor. Um, it it's I'm not getting it. It's finishing pretty dry to me. How about you? Is it finishing dry for you, John? Or are you still getting that sweetness in there? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's finishing sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely dry citrus. Um, it does linger. The the hop uh, bitterness does linger a little bit in, in your palate, but not like you would get with an IPA that's just like overly, it's not overly bitter at any means. It's just you have that hop uh, presence in there. I, I'm enjoying it. I really am enjoying this beer, and I literally have one drink left before I finish it. So before I finish this, John, is this a beer that you could recommend to new people people to craft beer. Yeah, I would. Um, I think it's a, an approachable paleo. So I would do that. How about I, you? I agree a hundred percent with you. I think, I think that this beer is, uh, is, is really well balanced. It's, I mean, maybe I won't say well balanced. I'll say pretty good, pretty well balanced, leaning towards a little bit more towards the hop. The, the the hop profile is a little bit more stronger here, but the bitterness is not overwhelming that would turn someone off to the flavors. And I literally drank that my whole glass is gone now, John. It literally in the five minutes we've been talking, I drank a whole twelve ounce bottle and enjoyed the hell out of it. So yeah, I would recommend it for new people. I uh, filled mine, then drained most of it, and then filled it up again. Okay, so. okay. You have what? You have a growler there? You got? No, I had down? like a third of a glass left when we started the tasting, so I topped it off. Then I drank it down and then filled it back up with what was left. Oh on man! Oh, so, oh man! Yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, glassware wise, um, you know, just put it in a glass. Yeah, put it in a glass. Any glass. W- Willie Becker bust. The will, yeah, the Willie Becker, the Nonic <laughs> pint, even the Shaker pint is okay. You're gonna get your nose into the aroma. It's gonna get you into the beer. You're gonna be able to get those flavors out. Uh, yeah. So just pour into any glass. I don't think there's a specialty glass needed. All right, John. It is the time our listeners have been waiting for. What? How would you rate this on the tap the craft rating scale? Uh, and, and let me just, just tell everyone our rating scale is either it's, uh, it's forgettable that, Hey, you won't be disappointed if you ever had it again. 
It's average, drink it when you feel like something drinkable, or memorable, tell all your friends to try it, or recommended, this is a daily drinker worthy, or highly recommended, get on your soapbox and preach the word of this beer. So I would put this at recommended. I could drink this every day. I I think it's easy. uh, But this kind of gets to the weirdness of our scale. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't think I'd say, I I don't think I'd call it memorable. I don't think I would like start telling friends to go try it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd recommend it if we were already at the bar, but um, I don't know. So it, it, it seems a little backwards to me. Yeah, maybe. yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe but, we need, uh, let's change. Let's change our scale. Let's put it. Let's re, let's change memorable and recommended and swap them so that memorable is right under highly recommended. So John, make on that the, on the fly. Make that change because obviously I was drinking too much when I wrote those down. How did we ever get through forty-seven episodes? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is ridiculous. But, uh, <laughs> you know, John, I, I'll agree with you. Um, I would say this is a recommended daily drinker beer. I have had this in my beer fridge before uh, to drink as a beer. I just want to drink a couple a night w- and just enjoy beer. So I would agree. This is a recommended beer. Drink this daily if you want a good, solid pale ale that's not too bitter, not too high in alcohol, and fairly well balanced. Although, in my opinion, it's this this beer I just had tonight is leaning a little bit more towards the hop side, but still very pretty well balanced. So I, I will say I bought a six pack of this, and I was looking forward. I was like, you know what, I'm going to have these <laughs> to drink throughout the week. There's two left in the there, fridge. Yeah, you've oh, already so drank well. them all in one night. Yeah, yeah, you got a problem, John. You got a problem. I know I didn't plan ahead to have other beers to drink before this one tonight. Yeah. So that that was my problem. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. So they uh we, you know we always like to try to give a little extra information on the beers that we try and uh guess what? You know, Deschutes is great about revealing what they put in their beer. So the the malts are Pale Crystal, uh Carapils and M- Munich malts and the hops are Cascade. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, sums it up, right? I mean, that, that's a traditional American pale ale. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, this beer's been around for a long time, and so the fact that it's a single hop cascade mm-hmm. um, makes a lot of sense. That yeah. was the craft brewing hop. I mean, it was the thing that nobody wanted from the macro brewers, so yeah. craft brewers grabbed onto it. Um but uh, yeah, the uh, the carapils is probably the, what's in there, giving us a little extra body, some of that uh, nice head retention. Mm-hmm. Um, Munich is going to bring that bready breadiness that you're you're picking up. The crystal, mm-hmm. depending on what it is, could be where they get that caramel um, notes. So yeah, okay. And the the pale ale malt that we talked about. So. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much put pale ale in every beer you make, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to. You have to have some filler in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different base malts, but, uh, you know, it, it's pretty versatile. Yeah. And it's in my Russian imperial stout. I use that, that malt, so. There you go. And that's a good that's a good beer, too, which I have, uh, you know, ready to drink here shortly. I'll, I'll probably 
partake in that uh, this week. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that is our beer tasting note segment. I hope you guys were able to taste along with us because the Schutz Brewery distributes beer in almost all the states. Not quite, but almost all. So I'm hoping that all of our listeners were able to pick up a beer or a six-pack as John did. And you just went through that six-pack while listening to the show and you agree with what we said about the beer. Well, it's time for some newsworthy articles. And John, you brought an article to our attention this week. It's an article that is from the brewbound.com site called Greg Cook's Answer to Big Beer is a platform called True Craft. So, John, what the heck is this article all about? Yeah, so, I mean, this is pretty much in response to all these acquisitions that we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. And when this all started, there were a couple guys that spoke out um, quite a bit about it. One was Tony McGee, who ended up selling 50% to Heineken. <laughs> yeah. And the other was Greg Cook, uh, one of the co-founders of Stone. And uh, he's decided to put his money where his mouth is. And um, he has started a, a, a $100 million fund um, that he's put together through a group of independent investors Uh that will be used to acquire minority non-controlling stakes in craft breweries. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he was quoted saying they can make their own decisions about their future. They can stay independent. They can get financing and flexibility that they need to flourish while keeping their soul and control their, yeah, their soul. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, he did have a, uh, you know, pretty much a direct response to all these acquisitions. He said some people start companies to sell out and some start companies because they are compelled to follow their passion and true craft uh, is for the, the latter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're going to be looking to help out those breweries that, you know, need that big cash injection to take that next step. Um, but want to stay independent, want to, you know, remain a craft brewery per the, Brewers Association guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, honestly, I think this was a natural reaction that would happen from somebody. Um, and I know uh, Boston Beer and Jim Cook over there, uh, you know, they've had a, um, I don't think it's like an investment thing like like this sounds like, but they've had, uh, basically like an incubator type program that you can be a part of and yeah. they would make you loans and mm -hmm. uh, help you out. Uh, so I imagine there's, there's some, uh, some amount of guidance that would come from this and depending on who these investors are, uh, you know, they'll certainly, you know, be available, I would, I would guess. But, you know, I, I think it's nice to see and I'm sure there are a lot of people that are excited about um, this kind of, uh, movement. Um, so, I mean, it's, a, you know, they do, they do say minority non-controlling interests mm -hmm. in these companies, but, you know, we, we've already seen craft breweries acquire other craft breweries. Um, but so I guess this is just a, an offshoot of that. Yeah. But 
I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, for one thing, I'm wondering where the hell did he come up with $100 million to invest in this whole thing? Is Stone Brewing doing that well where they can just open up a investment firm to help craft breweries? And is $100 million enough? I mean, I don't think it is enough, really. Well, it said uh, from a group of independent investors. Okay. Um, so, so they put together some kind of group. And, you know, the hundred million, it's not, they're not looking for acquisitions, right? We, these no. huge numbers we've been seeing are for outright buys. Yeah. They want yeah. everything. They're just trying to help give you that cash injection and hey, they'll take some of those profits in return. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. My you know. thought, my thought is, is, you know, right now Stone is, uh, you know, they're their own brewery. They're expanded across the world now they're you know they're in germany and now they're expanding over to virginia so they're across the country and now international um they already have a distribution system that they run in southern california honestly i would love to see them invest that money into a more um you know nationwide distribution network to get beers from smaller breweries to be able to be distributed to other markets and get their name out. I don't, honestly, I don't know how, I mean, okay, so they have a hundred million dollars. They're going to say, okay, um, here, uh, Ruben's Brews, we're going to give you a million dollars to, uh, expand. Uh, okay. So now they go to a bigger facility. They maybe get, uh, some more fermenters, uh, and they're able to expand the amount that they brew, but are they going to be able to get their beer out to more people, or is that only going to allow them to to expand so they can get more beer to Washington people? Well, great for Washington people, but you know what? I want some of that Rubens brew in the next state over in Idaho. Is that going to help them get you know their beer to me? I don't know. I don't know if this is really that well, I mean, great any, of a thing. Any expansion is going to push more beer out to more people, and you know even if that first little injection only gets it to so they can do all of Washington. Well then, you know, the next step would be to allow them to get out. So, I mean, every, every step builds and it's all about what, you know, the brewery itself wants to do. It lets them follow their uh, passion and make their own decision. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I will say this. There's one quote here that I have to read because I understand what he's trying to say, but I also, I don't think it's it's negative. I think it's still a win for the most beer consumers. And this is him quoting. He says, During his presentation, Cook showed a photo of a bar at Burbank Airport, which featured taps from a number of craft brands, such as Golden Road, Tin Barrel, and the Craft Brew Alliance. The common thread? Anheuser-Busch InBev either wholly or partially owned all of the beers on tap. Um, and he says this is an illusion of choice. Well, you know what? It's not an illusion of choice. It's offering us beers that have good that good beers in an opportunity that we wouldn't have had good beers because before all we had was Bud, Bud Light and Budweiser products that were crap. Now, you know what? I can go to these crappy places and actually get a quality beer is it owned by Anheuser-Busch? Sure. But you know what? 
a ten barrel beer is still a ten barrel beer, and that's a damn good beer. I haven't had Golden Road, but you know what? I'm I'm sure they make good beers. And the Brewers Alliance, they only distribute their beers. It doesn't mean that they actually have any take in the as far as what they're, you know, what they're brewing. And you know what? I'm a huge Widmere Brothers fan, even though they're part of the whole alliance. I love their beer. So uh, to me, it kind of hurts that uh, that he's you know attacking some of the breweries that even though they have kind of sold out a little bit to the big beer, they're still making great beer. And that's what matters to me is the fact that I can still get good beer when before I would only have a choice of getting crappy beer. Yeah. And, you know, we've both stated that, but I think we're in the minority in terms of, you know, super involved craft beer drinkers. <laughs> you know, these guys aren't a part of the club anymore. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so, and I mean, if you're going to think about who he's really talking to, you know, that's the crowd. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that this would be a point of the, the presentation on his end. Um, but yeah, but, but, you know, at the same time, you know, him showing me this isn't stopping me from going to that bar at the Burbank airport. Yeah. If I'm ever in the Burbank airport and and so, having a good beer. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, yeah. But I mean, I, I think, it, it, is he saying that by him and having this investment group that's going to promote smaller craft breweries that they're going to be able to get into that Burbank? you know, airport? I don't think so. That Burbank airport is still going to be controlled by Anheuser-Busch and they're still going to be serving beers. I mean, okay, let me get rid of the Burbank. Who who knows where Burbank airport is? I don't have a clue. Let me go LA. to... Yeah, it's in LA <laughs> somewhere. Let me go to an airport that everyone flies to, like O'Hare in Chicago. That brew, That airport is full of crap beer. I would love to get a Tim Barrel beer. I'd love to get Golden Road beer into that airport. Instead, I get crap beer at every single place they serve. It's all crappy big beer beer. I want good beers in there. I don't care if Anheuser-Busch. What's that? You got to go to Midway. That's where the good beer is. (laughs) Yeah, but but when I have a layover of a two-hour layover over in O'Hare, I don't want to leave the airport to go to a good beer. I want to get a beer there and I can't oh, get good you, beer. You got to fly in a different airport. Go no, to Midway I can't. Of O'Hare. <laughs> I've never heard of Midway. O'Hare is a major hub. I can't go fly into well, some Midway crappy. Is the other airport in Chicago. I, I think uh, Southwest is now the big. Oh, uh, is that okay? Airline that goes through there. But yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'd imagine that that's going to start changing as they've, you know, started buying these, these breweries, but you know, the Ten Barrel Golden Road, those are West Coast breweries. They may not have spooled up distribution enough to get it out to Chicago yet. You know, I, I don't know uh, where at what stage in the growing up the recipes, you know, like we saw in that Elysian article that they're at. Yeah. But um, I bet that's coming. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Well, anyway, I-, I thought this was interesting and I, you know, I, I'm interested to see you know some of the first minority stakes that they they buy so uh if we even hear about them but yeah no it's it's definitely i'm this is what now now i'm kind of being you know i'm voicing my my uh my 
concern on this whole thing. But reality, this is what I wanted to see. I want to see craft beer, you know, big craft breweries invest in smaller craft breweries and get their own alliances, get their own network and distribution to kind of counteract big beer. And this is the first step to that. So am I, am I happy this is happening? I am, I sure am happy that this is happening because this is what I want to see happen. I want to see craft breweries bonding together and making a coalition to, you know, to try to counteract and fight big beer off when they can. So, so no, I, I, I appreciate what they're doing. I'm, I support it fully. Um, I just, you know, I get tired. I mean, I understand what Greg Cook is fighting against. I just don't like when I hear stuff like, like I just read, you know, where he's saying that, that beer drinkers don't have a good option because AB InBev now has a part stake in these other beer companies. It doesn't mean they're making bad beer. They're making good beer. Are they making independent well, he didn't, beer? He didn't no. say they're not making good beer. He said it's not really a choice because it's actually one company. <laughs> that's that's what he. That's what they're saying. Okay. That's the big guy versus little guy mentality that that craft beer has always pushed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he they didn't say bad beer. That that wasn't a part of it. It was illusion of choice. Okay. So, you're right. You're right. Okay. All right. But yeah. All right. Well, you know what, John? That was a great article, and I I do appreciate you bringing that to the table and uh, giving our listeners, uh, you know, some hope that uh, that we were not going to see even more of our great smaller breweries get taken over by the big conglomerate, big beer companies. Now we have Stone that's going to take them over instead. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, John. Well, hey, you know what? We're kind of running a little long, so it's that time of the show where we have the opportunity to raise our glasses to our friends out there and give a little toast. So, John, who do you have to toast this week? I want to thank all the listeners. We've had some nice discussion on Twitter and uh, some nice sharing around Facebook over the past couple of weeks. So, thank you, guys. Uh, keep it up. Uh, love seeing all the discussion going on. So. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. Yeah, I I love all the interaction with our listeners. Thank you guys for for being a part of the show. Uh, I also have a few toasts I want to give out. First and foremost, uh, one of my good friends, Mr. Ben Harris, uh, at Shaw underscore near on Twitter. He left us an iTunes review. Imagine that. Yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, I. Hey, Ben. Thank you. Cheers, brother. I really appreciate that you spent the time just to leave your comments and uh, tell other people what you enjoy about the show. We really appreciate it and thank you for listening. And uh, you know what? I need to come visit you again and buy you a beer. So uh, count on it. In the next uh, at least six months or so, I'll probably make it down your way. And, and no, I'm not paying for uh, iTunes reviews. But if you do leave an iTunes review, I might come visit you and buy you a beer. So just keep that in mind. Uh, also, I gotta I gotta raise my glass to my buddy Bill Vlashammer Warley over in uh, Pennsylvania. Yes, Bill, I'm coming to visit you. We are gonna go have some beers, have a good time. Uh, don't worry, I'm not some kind of strange, weird guy. Just ask John. He says uh, that I'm okay. I'm o- I'm okay for an internet guy. So uh, no worries. Fine. We're gonna we're gonna get along fine. Yeah, it turns out you're okay, according to my wife. So Okay, okay. Know. That's just it. Good. 
Yeah, I get the uh, approval rating from all wives of listeners. So if your wife agrees, then <laughs> so I'm okay. I'm a good guy. <laughs> all right. Also, I have to lift a big old glass to our buddy Nathan Thomas over at That's Entertaining Podcast. And he's also part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast. Man, not only do I love the content that he puts out, but he doesn't fail to raise our podcast up and uh, give us shout-outs on his podcast. Both those podcasts he's on, he led listeners our way, and I just want to raise my glass to you, Nathan. Thank you for supporting our show. We really appreciate it. And, hey, you know that I support your shows, and I'm constantly uh, giving you guys feedback and comments. So uh, one day I will make it to your area, and, and we will lift this glass for real. And if you leave an, you already left an iTunes review, so don't worry about another one. But because you did, I will buy you a beer too. See, I'm selling, I'm, I'm selling iTunes reviews for beers. It's okay. It's okay. And, uh, where am I at? Uh, who did I, oh, Jason Lacey, our buddies over at the Flexiposed podcast and also play some video games. Jason has been promoting the show on his, I mean, constantly on his podcast, Flexiposed.com. And also on Play Some Video Games. And last episode, we mentioned the Bean Flicker Coffee IPA, I think it was, or Gold Nail. Was it Gold Nail? Bean Flicker Gold Nail? Now I nah, can't I remember. I don't remember the base, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah, so I was right. It is right down the street from him and Lucas. They can go 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever. It's really close and and have the beer. I've I put out a request for them to go try the beer and... Leave and, and record it on audio. Send it to us. We will play their review on the show if they do it. And uh, hey, you know I, what? What more can I ask for? You know, free promotion. We'll get your voices on our show for everyone to say, "Wow, these guys rock!" And we want to listen to more of them. And they'll go to flexipost.com and listen to the great podcast they put out. So I want to raise my glass to them also. And, of course, to all our great listeners. And how can I forget all of our fantastic military men and women out there serving the great United States of America, protecting our freedom, so John and I can be on this show as we are, talking our opinions about craft beer and educating all of our listeners as well. So thank you for your service, and please return home safely to your families as soon as possible. Oh, you know what, John? Guess what? I forgot to plug Open Forum Radio before we did our tasting notes. So I just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then please go out and visit all the other great podcasts we have to offer. And I will play this video or this uh, audio clip at the end of the show, because I screwed up and didn't get the plug in the middle of the show like I normally do. Sorry. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes. Guess what? They're located on the show post at open for at openforumradio.com. And I may have had one too many high alcohol drinks tonight. That's okay. Sorry, it's only the web address you said. Just two seconds ago. No okay. big deal. No big deal. They'll, they'll <laughs> figure it out. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter 
and on Instagram and un and on untapped at loose grew and John, how can listeners follow you? Twitter at prime brewing untapped prime WA. And I read about beer and homebrewing at homebrewengineer.com. Check it out for recipes. <laughs> do it, <laughs> do it. Yeah. You want John's recipes. Don't miss, don't miss that, that link. It's in the show notes at openforumradio.com. All right. Well, hey, it is last call. And as you can tell, I am ready to crash and burn hard. So uh, it's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. And we ask you to please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitch Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, we release a show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word about beer. Cheers. Cheers. Man, I am nailing this. I had two years ago, May 7th, 2014, I had this beer. <laughs> wow. So, okay. I, I, I nailed the... Uh, Russian Imperial Stout, brew date, this, just pulling things out of my butt. Hey, you know it. You're the expert. That's why you're the expert. I'm the color commentary. That's right. Maybe <laughs> my butt is just really smart. That's all. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft.